Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. I want to say a huge Happy New Year to everybody. I haven't had a chance to say that personally myself yet. Hope you all had a good Christmas with uh, loved ones, family, or friends. Uh, it's great to be with you here on, what are we, January January 8th. And uh, I also want to take a moment and just say a, a, a thank you to everyone for just, honestly, we were blown away with such a generous church, the way that um, so many of you in this room gave uh, through the end of the year generously, um, even to our legacy series, which we're going to be sending out to some of our missionaries very soon here. We're very excited for that. We just want to say thank you to everyone for sowing your seeds and together collective as a church, we say, may the Lord bless you and prosper you and increase. Amen. Amen. And uh, all the seeds that you've sown, the Lord does not let those go to waste. He's good like that, right? He's good, right? Come on, tell somebody next to you, God's good. Now tell the other person, God's in a good mood even. God's in a good mood today. If you're not, it's okay. He is. Um, <laughs> I have the, the, the excitement today to carry on our Seek First series, as Jacob was referencing. We got some people in this room in the midst of their fasts. Uh, I know some people that are fasting food entirely, that are fasting social media, that are fasting all sorts of things, right? And if you're a parent, you're fasting sleep all the time. Don't worry. Um, but we're fasting, right? And we're in this series where we're saying, Lord, we're seeking you. We want you. And personally, I've been loving it. I loved it last year. I'm loving it this year. Uh, some of the things I'm fasting just allow me a little more time to be present with my kids in the morning and just put my phone away and saying, let me just be a dad first thing in the day and not look at this little little box, you know? And um, same thing late at night, just hanging out with my wife. And it's good. It's good, isn't it? I've, I don't know. I find it great. I find it a fun way to start the year. I hope you all are enjoying it if you've uh, chosen to join us. Let's just pray quick before we dive in. Whew. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for January 8th, that today is a day where you are here, where you are present in our midst, that you're not a God who's far off from us. It's not who you are. (laughs) You're not a God who's distant from us, that you made a way that you tore that veil in two, hey, by laying your life down for us and for all eternity now that veil is torn and the access to you and your Holy Spirit and the heavenlies is there for us. So Lord, right now we just make ourselves aware of your presence. If you haven't already, just welcome him into your day. We welcome you into our day, Lord. We welcome you into our habits, into our things, into the the things we're going to get up to today. Would you just come and make ourselves available to you? And Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts, you'd open our minds and ears and bodies to what you want to speak to us today. Lord, would you come and transform us? Would you come and speak to us? In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about moving from a visitation to a habitation. It was very appropriate what Jacob was sharing. The Lord is clearly on something, so I'm excited about that. How many know we are 
we're meant to seek the Lord, right? How many know the Lord wants to be found by you? That he's not hiding himself. He's not somehow making himself far removed or distant or far off. In fact, as we just talked about even in that prayer, he's made a way that he's present, that he's here, that he's with us, that he's among us, right? Right? Amen. Come on. This isn't some game of hide and go seek where he's hiding in the most impossible place and he's like, good luck, suckers. (laughs) When you're a father or or a mother and you're playing hide and go seek with your kids, you don't hide in the hardest place, right? You don't like go get in the crawl space with the snakes and the spiders. They good luck. <laughs> never going to put a tarp over me and never going to find me. No, it's like you're, you're like one leg out of the like curtain, clearly like good luck trying to find me. When I married into Jess's family and inherited something the Smiths, did growing up, her family did, and they, when they play hide and go seek, they say this little phrase, when you're having trouble finding somebody, you say, give me a squeak. Give me a squeak, my kids will say. And when we play my youngest daughter, Sayla, she pretty much the instant I'm done counting and ready, she's so excited to be found, she doesn't wait a second after I say, ready or not, here I come, before she is screaming at the top of her lungs, squeak! <laughs> I'm like, girl, you know, you're not meant to be found right away, right? But she's just so excited to be found. She's screaming, squeak. And of course, I find her and she's all giggles. And then my son takes a little more seriously. I I don't even think he'll squeak even if you say, give me a squeak. But when, when I'm hiding and they say, give me a squeak, I'm like, squeak. Why? Because it's that joy to be found. As a father, as a mother, it's the joy of being found. And how much more our Heavenly Father is, is there. He's in this beautiful dance of life. He's not, he's not far removed, but he, he's right there hidden in plain sight, obviously, right? He's not hard to find. In fact, Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's right there, everybody. But we're not just seeking him for a moment. We're looking for something lasting, right? Turn with me, if you have your Bibles today, to Ephesians chapter 2. going to start in verse 19 and read a couple verses here. Ephesians 2.19 says this, it says, so, so then you are no, speaking to the, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God 
by the Spirit. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Tell your neighbor, you are being built into a dwelling place for God. Tell your other neighbor, you are being built into a dwelling place for God. Peter, in 1 Peter 2, 5, he, he, he likens us to this spiritual house and he says, you yourselves are like living stones, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer sacri- spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When we look at this imagery here, it's this sense of permanence, Right? That he's building a dwelling place in us. As Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, together I am building you into a dwelling place. Individually, I am building you into a dwelling place for my spirit. And, And Peter here, into spiritual houses where he, Christ, is the cornerstone. And I think of this sense of permanence. This isn't, this isn't Airbnb. This isn't simply where Jesus is coming for a moment and then removing himself. He's not just coming into you and you're just the hotel room for the night. But he's longing for somewhere to rest his head. He's longing for somewhere to live. You know, as Jacob was even saying this morning in that place of frustration, where are you, God? I thought I would have received an encounter by now, but then what was it? The sweetness and the gentleness of God being like, I'm here. And he probably would have whispered if you asked him, and I've always been here. (laughs) I never left in the first place. Yeah. Jacob's like, I don't ask him those questions. The Lord would be like, I was already here, Jacob. (laughs) He's looking for a permanent resting place. And this was the intent of God to dwell with man. When you look at the beginning of the Bible to the end, in Genesis 3, when it says that God walked among Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, to dwell with man, to walk among them in their midst, to be that present. And then we look at the end of the Bible in Revelations 20, 21, verse 3, almost the end, the second to last chapter. And it says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell, say dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. You see, there's nothing wrong with a visitation. A visitation's a, a great thing, Right. We all have those kind of marking moments of encounter. We've all had those moments where the Lord has encountered us, whether that was in our salvation, the first moment we met him, or whether that was some other moment along the way when we experienced God in a new way or, or God opened our eyes, and right? And we were transformed, and it was beautiful, and it was amazing, and our hearts were set ablaze. But a visitation was meant to make us hungry for a habitation. That we're not just looking then afterwards for the next visitation, but we're actually inviting him to habitate in us and to cohabitate with Christ, right? And with Holy Spirit. See, God is not looking simply for relationship. He's looking for covenant. God doesn't just want to date you. He wants to marry you. 
He doesn't just want a date night. He wants to live a life with you. He doesn't just want relationship. He wants covenant. That's why he's his church. We are his bride and he is our bridegroom. Right? And one day our bridegroom is coming back for his bride. That's why the church is so beautiful, so important, his body. We, the church. You see, even Jesus, in a sense, was a sort of visitation. Jesus came, but he came as, as, as yes, God, but also fully man, contained to flesh, skin and bones, yes? And contained to those skin and bones, there was only so much, unless he was to completely go beyond the realm of humanity, but there was only so much he could do technically in that skin and bones, yes? In that flesh. And when Jesus was in one city, he wasn't necessarily in another city at the same time because he was constrained to this, this flesh. And he did it for a reason. We know why he did it. He came to die on a cross to live the perfect life as man for you and I so that we might receive him and never die but enter into eternity and death has no sting or hold on us. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. I'm excited about that. John 16, verse 7, Jesus turns to his disciples, speaking of the fact that he is going to go to the cross, that he's going to leave them, and he says this to them. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Some translations say it's to your advantage. It's better that I go. And his disciples are looking at him being like, what could be better than this? Jesus, we've walked with you. We've talked with you. We've ate with you. We've done life with you. We've traveled with you. What could be better than this? Jesus is like, but there is one who's coming who is not constrained to flesh and blood. My spirit is coming and he will dwell in you. And you will have him at all times, in all places, in all cities, in all nations, in all circumstances. You will have him and he will dwell in you. We are the habitation of the Holy Spirit, everybody. 1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So what does it look like for us to become more aware of this dwelling, of this resting place? What does it look like for us to move in our minds, because he's already in us, but from this reality that it's not just a visitation, but it's a a cohabitation with him? First and foremost, I want to say that we're to, to greet and commune with the Holy Spirit in our daily walk. I was so inspired as a, as a young adult. I was out at my first year at uh, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, fresh out of high school, and we had to read Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I love that little book. It's short, and it's such an easy read. And... Well, the thing that really stood out to me that impressed me was this daily relationship that he was cultivating with the Holy Spirit when nobody was looking. And this one thing he would start, and it's really why they named the book after it, but he would start every day simply by saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. 
And for him, it was like setting the tone. I'm going to walk my day with you, Lord. Just like Adam and Eve walked with you in the cool of the day in the garden, I'm going to walk with you today, Holy Spirit. So we're to greet and commune with the Holy Spirit, to welcome him into our days, into the simple routines and activities of life. That Holy Spirit's with you when you change a diaper and he's with you when you commute to work and he's with you when you're finishing that project and he's with you when you're doing your homework and he's with you when you're parenting your kids. That in all things and through all things, he is there. So often it's just, we don't take the time to to just say hey and to welcome him into our days and into our routines. One of the ways I, I really love communing with the Lord is is yes, reading my Bible is yes, worship, but a, a more a different one. I love communing with God when I run. Love going on runs and putting on worship music and just talking to God. Some people are like, nope. <laughs> God is the furthest away when you run. Didn't you know that, Aaron? <laughs> Not for me. There's something that just clears the head and I just love talking to God when I run. But we're to seek and we're to live a life that's conscious of him. This is the life that Jesus lived. It says that he was conscious of the things that his father was doing. He only did what he saw his father doing, right? That he was living a life aware, he's living his life aware of another. And we too are invited into this reality of living our life aware of the other. The other person of the Trinity that lives in us. You know, Jess referenced this verse last week, but I want to I want to say it again. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will be found by you. I love that. That's a promise. Remember, it's not an ethereal game of impossible hide and seek. And we don't just seek him, we don't just greet the Holy Spirit, but we commune with him, we speak to him, to commune, to share one's inmost intimate thoughts and feelings with somebody. That's to commune. You know, James 5, 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, there are so many mentions of prayer in the Old and New Testament, and it's, it's not some like dated thing that we used to do, it's a core function of the believer to pray, to speak with God, to commune with him. And it's not just this one-sided prayer, but it's actually taking the time to listen as well, right? To pray, but also to say, God, is there anything you would, have, you would say to me today? We're so good at talk, 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 and we never take the time necessarily to just listen, to be still and know and listen. And I love as we're you know, doing this fast as we're kind of offering certain things up to the Lord on the altar and saying, Lord, take these conveniences from me. Take these, take these just normal things that take time. And I'm just going to give that time to you to listen, to be with you. And I believe that he is going to encounter us and, and that we'll become more aware of him. Amen. And you know, when in doubt, a good prayer, a good prayer to pray is always, Lord, would you just wound my heart? Even this morning in, in uh, pre-service prayer, Tyrone was given a word about the fear of God and returning to first love. It was awesome. And Lord, may we return to our first love. Amen? Another way that we can dwell with him is through our worship. Worship is powerful, right? 
Worship is not just Christian karaoke, everybody. If you came here on Sunday just to listen to some nice songs, I would challenge you to show up different next week. The word of God says in Psalms 23, 22, verse 3, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. You that inhabits the praises of Israel. What does it look like for him to come and inhabit our praise and inhabit our worship? I don't even understand it fully from man's mind. I'm like, what does that even mean, God, for you to literally inhabit my, my praises? Some translations say that he's enthroned upon our praises. That as we worship him, it's creating a throne that he comes and rests on. Fascinating. Worship is powerful. It's the divine exchange Or he's so attracted to us in our worship that he can't help but come and dwell among us in a whole different way. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just look at David, right? A shepherd boy that didn't have much to his name, but God looked over thousands to find him to make him king. Why? Because he was described as a man after God's own heart. He was a man of worship that would play the harp and sing songs and sing hymns to the Lord. And that's just who he is. There's something about him that will pass over thousands just to find those that are hungry, that worship him. And the Bible says that this is the type of people that he's looking for, for true worshipers. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Do you want to be somebody that the Lord's seeking? that he's actually going after you. So, test one, there we go. So let us be a people of worship, amen? Thirdly, God inhabits with those, with the repentant and the humble. Isaiah 57, verse 15 says this, it says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. With him who has a contrite and humble spirit. What is God saying here through Isaiah? He's saying, listen, I am in the high and heavenly places. I am the holy one of all creation. It feels huge, right? When you read that, it's like this grand picture of God in all his holiness, in all his worthiness before the very foundation of creation. There he is, but who else is he dwelling with? It says he's dwelling with those, the contrite and humble. Those of us that that have humbled ourselves before the Lord, that have become contrite and repentant and said, Lord, Would you forgive me for my sins that haven't allowed our hearts to become hard or bitter or too far gone, but have kept the heart that yes, we may may make mistakes. Yes, we fall short at times, but we say, God, every time I'm going to run to you, not from you. I'm going to run to you, not from you. And those people he's longing for he can't help but coming and dwelling with he's so attracted to the the those that are that carry his humility 
that say, Lord, I'm not trying to puff myself up. I'm not trying to to be full of pride because God rejects the prideful. That's what his word says. But he loves the humble. Say, God, without you, I'm nothing. But with you, I'm, I'm something. I'm everything. And I believe that that's why God chose Solomon to build his temple. Because he was a man of humility. David, his father, Solomon's father, wanted to build the temple. And God wouldn't allow it. He said, listen, I'm, I'm going to use your son. You're a man of war. We have blood on your hands. And it says in, in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 11 through 12, when, when your David's days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom forever. And he is the one who will build a house for me. And I will establish his throne forever. See, Solomon, when a young man, when he came into his rulership and the Lord appeared to him and said, ask of anything and I will give it to you. And he was presented with the opportunity for power and wealth and riches and authority and all sorts of things. He asks for wisdom to lead. That there was this humility to his heart that, Lord, if you've called me to this, I want to do a good job. Would you give me wisdom? And that's why the Lord chose him, I believe, to build this temple because he was a man of integrity and a man of of, um, humility. That would choose God above all else. Even to the point that when David... Uh, sorry, when Solomon finishes building the temple with the greatest craftsmen and artisans you can find, made this thing incredible. It took seven years to build. This is his statement when dedicating the temple. He said, will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. All the artisans and craftsmen are saying, what did we build all this for? That's your opinion. How could God come and dwell in this, this stone and this gold and this dirt and earth? Lord, would you find us humble? Would you find us repentant? May we not lose that, that holiness in our lives. Amen. Remember, as a young man, I prayed the prayer like, Lord, would you, I often would pray, Lord, would you humble me? And he took me up on it multiple times in my life. It's a dangerous prayer, but it's a great prayer. Lastly, I want to say that God inhabits with those in unity. Matthew eighteen twenty for... Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. As we gather here even right now on Sunday morning, guess what? He's, he's there. It's not saying he might be there. It's not saying he will be there. It's he's saying I am among them. I am among them. Or when we're in a small group or we pray or just a few gathered to pray, there he is among us. And those times of, of private encounter, those times of private communing with him are important, but also those times of public communing with God are important when we gather today around his altar and worship him. Amen. If we look back at our starting text in Ephesians 2, if you would turn there with me, Ephesians 2, 
We're going to rewind a little further back than we started to verse 11. Again, while you're getting there, Paul's speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he's seeking to unveil the mystery of the church. God's intent to form a body to express Christ's fullness on the earth and unite both the Jews and Gentiles alike. And he wants to basically empower them and equip them that they might extend Christ's victory over evil all over the earth. Verse 11. Therefore, remember at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father, in one spirit to the Father. So then you were no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Y'all should remember this now built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Come on, turn to your neighbor again and say, we are being built into a dwelling place. Paul's speaking to the Gentiles here and he's saying, listen, you were once excluded from the covenants of promise that that I made with the Jews, but no longer. In fact, from the two men, I'm making one new man. From both Jews and Gentiles alike, I'm making a new community, community. I'm establishing a new body of believers for me who will be different, who will not be marked by disunity, you have to understand that this was, this was socially inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> Y'all know the movie I'm referencing, hopefully. Every time that word's used, everyone knows it's the Princess Bride, right? Okay, anyways. It's inconceivable that Jews and Gentiles would get along, let alone that they would become one people under a new lordship under Jesus Christ to receive him, to believe that he died on a cross, to believe that he, that he was resurrected from the dead? Unheard of. But Paul is saying, I'm, I, the Lord is making a new people. Out of the two, he shall make one. And they will not be marked by division. How divided did the church look like over the last few years. Wasn't planning on saying this, but. (laughs) 
How divided did even some of our church look over the last few years? Did we sit in the seat of judgment? Did we point the fingers? Did we go, oh, those people, and they believe that? And did you ever have a conversation with somebody if you question their beliefs? This divide, it's, it's not God's will. That we would be one people. And as our friend Max Thomas preached so beautifully last year, a missionary from Iraq that was here with us, he said, when we come before the Lord, we all gather around one Lord, one spirit, one table for communion, one altar. When we come together in unity before the Lord, we are one body, one flesh. And you look all across this place and there's, it's, yes, different people, yes, different backgrounds, yes, different socioeconomic statuses, yes, different races, whatever. We're all one body, one flesh before the Lord. And all I see is hands and feet and eyes and ears and mouths of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. This morning, I just want to say, I think sometimes we can become so accustomed to churchianity, to religion, that almost like the truth of the gospel kind of loses its shine for us. And I love that, like Stephanie Gretzinger's song, May We Never Lose Our Wonder. Because it's easy sometimes to fall into apathy and to just it's kind of what we've been doing a lot of our lives or maybe for a short period, wherever you're at. But let our prayer be, Lord, may we never lose our wonder. May we not move into an Airbnb for the Lord. <laughs> or a hotel for the Lord, but may we be a resting place, a dwelling place where you are welcome, Lord, in all things. And it's, it's not something we're going to get perfect overnight. It's not something I have all figured out, but I'm inviting all of us to enter into the journey of becoming that resting place and saying, God, I recognize you. Even this morning, I was just saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Welcome you into this day. Even Jesus was not really accepted in his own hometown, right? Couldn't work in many miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because that familiarity bred doubt, and that doubt bred unbelief. So God, may we not get too familiar with the one who it is actually impossible to be familiar with entirely. Because he is all multifaceted in wisdom and holiness in ways that we can't ex- understand. And all mystery is before him and in his palm, the palm of his hand. There is nobody like him. I'd love to just invite you to stand this morning with me. Love us just to pray a simple prayer this morning. If you'd just put a hand on your heart and just take a moment and practice your awareness of him.
your awareness of his truth, of his truth, sorry, your awareness of his presence, your awareness of his nearness. And just welcome him. Just say, Lord, would you make me aware of you? Come on, just pray it out loud. It's a simple prayer. Lord, would you make me aware of you? Make us aware of you, Lord. And let's just wait for a minute. Just don't be in a rush because it feels awkward or it feels different. Let's just wait on him. I felt that promise that we kind of started with, it's, it's, it's here even right now in this moment. The Lord is saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. And he with me. And I just feel my heart is out of my notes, but some of us have kept the door shut because it's too painful or we've grown tired or bored or gone the motions and I feel like there's just an invitation just to repent before the Lord Lord I repent for any way that I have closed the door to you walking with me in the cool of my day Tell him, Lord, I open the door to you and for you. Come and inhabit my thoughts. Come and inhabit my body. You are welcome. the Lord is just removing shackles of negativity shackles of unworthiness any way that you've been we've been too consumed with our thoughts of negativity have been too consumed with everything wrong to just take a moment and be with him I feel like the Lord is just removing shackles right now Before we close, I just want to invite our ministry team to come up.
and we're going to dismiss in a moment, but I just want to, I want to make an opportunity, not for, not for necessarily everyone, but if you need somebody just to, I felt particularly that there's freedom this morning for the breaking of chains and almost like deliverance. And so if, if there's something right now in your life that you would love somebody just to walk you through in prayer and forgiveness and breaking off chains, we have a ministry team that would love to pray with you. But I want to bless you, church family. I want to bless all of us to be the dwelling place of God. Amen. Be the dwelling place of God. Welcome the Holy Spirit this week into your fasting, into your commute to work. Let's be a people that seek him. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.